Uh, I have no idea how this is going to work because uh, this wasn't rehearsed. I just thought, hey, we're wrapping up this Forever Young series. Why not bring up all of our staff members who have worked with children and youth? And that happened to be everybody. I truly didn't know that at the time, but I started asking, hey, uh, have you worked with children and youth? Everybody said yes. And uh, it shows a real commitment to the next generation. And uh, so we just decided to get everybody up here. And we're going to have this conversation about uh, not only our heart for the next generation, young people, but why we have a heart for young people. And uh, <laughs> you guys okay? <laughs> this is your staff here at Welcome, welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> he refused to sit by me. Right. We're smarter than your average pastor. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right. Yeah, we did. You did okay. All right, let's go around and uh, just real quickly name uh, what you do around here and how many years you have been working in children's or youth ministry. Alex, we'll start with you. Okay, my name is Alex, and um, let's see. Uh, what do I do around here? Is I oversee kind of our look and our feel and our creative stuff and promotion and all that good stuff. Um, also, just kind of like to create spaces where people can come and connect. I was a youth pastor for about ten years, and then since then I've been in ministry pretty much my whole life. So I don't know, twenty something years of being around the church, and a lot of that time focused on kids and youth. I do need a microphone, although I could project. My name is David. Um, I've been serving with youth of some kind at Rancho since 2014. Started with Rancho Kids, followed them on up to middle school, followed them up to high school, which our high school and middle school is over here in the corner right now. Um, And then I've also been a high school teacher at Rancho Christian as well. You are a Christian. I'm a teacher. You am a teacher. Present tense. Uh, my name is Dion Hairston. Uh, I'm the justice pastor here. So I focus mostly on racial reconciliation, human, human trafficking and sex trafficking, and also special needs and, and how to relate justice to those issues. Um, I am an eighth grade and 11th grade Bible teacher here. Um, I've been working with youth for around 24 years. I started really early when I started volunteering myself and and youth. And so I've been doing it for a long time and I just love to serve. Awesome. Um, My name is Sandy. I'm the children's director here. So I get to work with Carrie and Ryan and the nursery. And I've been at Rancho since I was in the nursery. So it's kind of fun. (laughs) And um, I've actually been working with kids and youth for, what do we figure out? 37. Wow. 37 years. That's amazing. (laughs) I don't want to say it. My name is Megan, and I'm the next-gen pastor. I oversee middle school, high school, and then up until, like, 30s. What? Uh, And then, um, that's it. Oh, I've been serving in youth for about 20 years. I took a bit of a break in between to raise my kids and then kind of jump back in. So about 20 years total. Hi, I'm Shane Treadway. And first of all, I just want to say how privileged I am to be part of this group of people who are in Look Forever Young. So thank you for the invitation to this. I'm a mission pastor here at Rancho. also teach at the school. Started off like a lot of you guys doing internship here at Rancho. Was a a, a youth pastor in San Bernardino for a while and been in ministry for a long time serving youth. It's been about 23 years. Awesome. My name is Steve. And other than being the champion from Escape Camp, first time ever, some of my boys back there. Uh, It's never happened before. 25 years I was in youth ministry, and uh, now I do teaching here, pastoral care and counseling, and work with some of the guys. 
My name is Rachel Dennis, and I handle outreach and local missions and the women's groups. Um, I did start volunteering in youth ministry and then became a youth pastor, and I worked about 15 years with youth, and I am blessed because my job can still transfer over into working with the youth. So, I am Cherie, and I actually started doing children's ministry when I was really young. I was actually originally hired here for the nursery and the children's pastor. Um, now I do a little bit of everything, but about 22 years in children's. And she does a, a lot of everything. She does yes. everything. Um, <laughs> uh, my name is Evan Rudisil. I'm the worship pastor here. Uh, I got, uh, I was in youth for, for quite a while, uh, volunteering and thing like, things like that. Got really into leading in youth around 2004 and did that up until about 2015 when we moved out here. And hello, my name is Carissa. I became a youth ministry intern at 18 years old and then a youth pastor at 21. And so that still boggles my mind. I was driving <laughs> kids in a 15-passenger van up the mountain to Big Bear at about 22. And I don't recommend that. We don't do that here. And so <laughs> I don't That's know that I want to do that now. <laughs> so uh, now here at, at Rancho, I'm grateful to be able to help people get connected in groups. Uh, like a lot of us, I started as a, as a teenager uh, helping out with youth. I was asked at the age of 17 uh, to help with the middle school program and uh, all the way through uh, youth pastor for 15 years, and then now I lead our school. So I've been with youth for 33 years now. So just did some quick math and text our uh, crack uh, tech team, and this is how many years we have been serving in youth, 352 combined years. That is amazing. Good job. Congratulations. Now, there's also uh, some folks who are, are not here. Ernesto is rehearsing for Rancho Espanol coming up in a little bit. And Ryan Beaver is not here either. We thought there might need to be some adult watching your kids next door. And he was the closest we can get to an adult. And uh, <laughs> so that's him. Who's not here, because this would be ridiculous, is 70 Rancho Christian administrators and faculty members. And I just did the best guess I could uh, in terms of their experience and the combined total of experience, church and school, is 1,602 years of experience working with kids wow. and youth. That's pretty remarkable. That's almost like back to the time of Jesus. Okay, that's a biblical number, right? Yeah. There. I mean, that's huge. <laughs> I mean, it's giant. We're here in California. Our entire history of California. So let's talk about how we you, got into uh, how we got into youth ministry. Obviously, we're excited to be in, in youth ministry. It's it's helped transform us as we help transform others by the grace of God. So, how did we get into this world? Well, I'll go. <laughs> um, I entered into youth ministry because I, my experience in youth ministry wasn't very positive, um, and I had. Gotten, gotten into some trouble, basically. I was a bit of a troubled teen. Um, and so when I um, recovered through all that mess and um, became an adult, um, I figured, you know what? I just want to love the kids no matter what, no matter what they're going through, no matter what they're doing. I just want them simply to have somebody who hugs them and loves them no matter what. For me, it was... Um, I wanted to become involved at my church and, and do something that was natural, but working with fourth and fifth graders is where I started. It wasn't anything but natural, but it was a ton of fun. I realized that these, these kiddos who are small, but also a lot older than we 
than we like to think or than we, than we perceive. And, and seeing how mature they were already at just fourth and fifth gave a lot back to me. And, and I wanted to be that through line for them, be that person that, like Steve was that for me in college age times, and he was that person that I could talk to about anything that I could have that I knew would unconditionally love me at church. Um, and I've been able to do that for a lot of my guys. A lot of these guys here today that I've been with them for years and years, and it's, it's been just as gratifying to me to, to have that experience. So for myself, I always loved babies and kids. That was just my thing, even when I was young. I think for me what propelled me into it is realizing that the teachers, the leaders, those people that have impact over those kids, may, we may be the only Jesus that they see all week. And that is heavy, um, knowing that kids go through a lot of things in their lives, and, and that person is so important. And you can make such a profound impact on a child's life in such a big way. Kids are amazing. So for me, I love everything about kids. I love to watch kids. Um, you know, when kids exit the building, watch then usually always look up. They're always looking for the brighter, for the better, for the bigger. Um, as adults, we kind of start looking down. And so kids are amazing. That childlike faith is a real thing. And um, there's not much more fun than children's ministries. Well, I know I got involved. Um, I got involved through music. Uh, I, so I played drums at a very young age and then kind of started getting into keyboard. And then I heard... Um, this guy, he's not very well known. His name's John Mayer. And uh, there, was, uh, there was like this music that my brother had downloaded very legally. And um, it was him in a coffee shop playing a guitar and I fell in love with the sound. So I wanted to start playing guitar and I thought it was great. And I spent so much time and work and effort on that. And then I showed up to the youth group um, that I was attending and was like, I want to play uh, guitar on the band. And the youth leader that was there was like, uh, well, you, you'll play bass. And I said, I don't, I don't play bass. And he goes, yeah, but you'll play bass all the same. And I don't know exactly how he said it. He was South African, so he said it way cooler than I could. Um, but he, so he kind of, I kind of got up there and started playing bass on this youth stage and just being with him and what an incredible leader he was. I got involved because there was an outlet for me to play music and learn more and be around other musicians. But I stayed because of what he didn't even know he was pouring into me, how much he was pouring into me just by showing me a few things and just by caring about me. He, he showed me that there was someone who cared about me. So that's what made me stay. Yeah, it's crazy how someone can, or you could be inspiring somebody or someone could be inspiring you and that person doesn't even really know what's going on. They don't know the depths of what's happening, you know, in your life type of thing. And so that's really cool. And I know, uh, Rachel, when you were talking, you know, I related with that. And, you know, Scott and I, we share a lot of the same story. And a lot of you know it of a, a dysfunctional family. And when you're growing up, you know, you're just like, that's your, that's your soil pot from when you're a seed. And, and what gets thrown in there really has a big effect on who you are. And so being in the, the family uh, situation that I was in, there was just a lot of seeds of fear, a lot of seeds of self-doubt. There was shame. Uh, anger was a big deal there, too. And then, you know, we start, our soil starts to, to, to harden up. And I just am thankful that before that soil hardened over all of that negativity, um, there were some awesome adults from Rancho who, who threw in other seed, you know, a little bit throughout my whole life, but at certain critical times in very intentional ways of saying, hey, we're taking you, we're talking, we're working you through this. They also planted seed in my parents' life and my brother's life, taught us to plant good seed in each other and that type of stuff, not to overdo the seed thing, but that's just a good example. 
Yeah, I think like um, for me too, it started just from, I had a super traumatic uh, kind of childhood into my youth. And so I was super passionate about, once I kind of became aware that I wasn't the only one, I wasn't alone. I wasn't the only person to experience pain um, throughout my childhood. And so I just really had this desire to just be there with others who were hurting and be there and, and walk with walk with them, even my peers, you know, and then younger. And so getting to have that opportunity in church, even like you know, in high school, mentoring middle school is kind of where it started. And then as I grew up, um, I kind of started to like go into other ministries, like adult ministries, and I just didn't fit really in them because there was just this certain kind of way, you know, that, that I was taught that like a Christian woman kind of behaved and looked like and acted and things that she did. And I just didn't seem to fit into any of those things at that time. And so I hung out in youth ministry more because it was just more free, more accepting, more just fun. And we weren't really worried about those things then. And so it was kind of this amazing opportunity to not only just be there for the students, but also um, that they were there for me and helping me just have that place to do ministry and to just have fun and be accepted. And so that's kind of why I ended up staying there. That's an awesome testimony. That wasn't mine, though. My testimony, (laughs) my youth leader was old, boring, and didn't like kids. And I was like, I don't know why you're here. And as I, as I was learning more about the Bible, I would, I would be sharing what I, what I had. And I shared it with enthusiasm and, and love of scripture. And so the kids would just be asking me questions. And that's really how I started. My pastor started to let me minister to, to the younger kids. And I just went on from there. For me, it was really about wanting to give back some of the hope that adults had poured into my life when I was a kid and then when I was a teenager. You know, when I think back to that time in my life, it was, it started with some leaders at a boys and girls club when I was in elementary school, teachers in my life, and then eventually youth group when I became a teenager. My childhood was a dumpster fire. I mean, basic needs were being met by strangers and random adults in my life that I'm so incredibly grateful for. And when I look back, they really were instrumental in giving me hope hope and allowing me to see that there was an opportunity to have a future that was different from what I was currently experiencing. And sometimes as adults, we think when, when we see a kid like I was, whose whole world is just on fire, you know, you kind of, you kind of take a step back because you're like, I don't, I can't fix it all. So I don't want to do anything. And, you know, it reminds me of that illustration of the, you know, the stars that wash up on the shore and there's so many of them, it's overwhelming. But if we just toss a couple of back in, then that helps. And for me, what wound up happening was I had just enough adults in my life that lovingly tossed a few of those stars from just this storm in my life back into the water that now I look at my life and I still cannot believe the life that I get to experience and live with God today. And so for me, it was about, can, could I maybe become someone that can speak some hope into the lives of a kid? Uh, for me, like I was, when I was, when Dion was sharing his story, it's so funny because um, church does have kind of that reputation sometimes where children should be seen and not heard. And we just kind of want them to be quiet and be behaved. Right. I grew up in a church that really valued kids and really valued youth. And, uh, it was probably like a replication of your youth ministry. We had every kid from every high school at our youth group and we were climbing the walls of the church and having so much fun going to camps, uh, feeding the homeless, doing leadership stuff. Um, all my whole kind of you know, youth age. And that just instilled like a DNA in me of creating spaces where 
people can come and connect and feel like that's my place. Doesn't matter if you're the jock, doesn't matter if you're the dork, doesn't matter if something terrible is going wrong at home, you can come there and you can feel like you belong and you can feel like you're seen and you have people to connect to. And it was just like this introduction to a different way of living. And so I carried that over into my youth ministry and, and just loved creating spaces. In fact, we did this thing, and my wife can attest, she's here this morning. We did this thing called Double Dog Dare. And we take these middle school and high school kids, and I was probably 22, I don't even know. And um, we would take them up to Northern California. We'd go spelunking, which is where you go to the very bottom of a cave, and they turn off all the lights, and you crawl around, and it's crazy. And then the next day, we went whitewater rafting. So it was like nuts. But then I'm talking to friends of mine who were part of that youth ministry, and they're like, you know what? Those times, those spaces that we were in are the spaces where I remember feeling close to one another, feeling close to God. And that just kind of like opened up something for me. And it, it still is true these days. Um, that's what I love to do is create those spaces. And there's this verse, 1 John four twelve. Everybody's probably sick of me saying it all the time. But it's this verse that says that no one has ever seen God. And that just opened up something for me. You know, no one has ever really seen God. But if we love one another, then God's love is brought to fullness through that. And that just is so true. When we create spaces where people can come and experience the love, and the grace, and the kindness, and the compassion of Jesus Christ, of God, it just opens up something to the, and that's kind of what has just fired me up from, like, 21 till now. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of funny. I got to tell you guys, over the last two services we were doing this, I didn't have any of that. I've been listening, trying to think of someone in high school, other than, like, a coach or something, and I would have I think I would have longed for that kind of thing in my brokenness in my family. It's kind of weird as I've been listening. I, don't, I didn't have that. I got manipulated into becoming part of youth ministry. <laughs> they said they wanted to start a surf ministry. Kind I was normal. about 22, and they didn't want to start a surf ministry. They just needed volunteers. And I got sucked in for 25 years to work with youth, you know, and it, and it, and it changed my life, you know. Um, I learned early on, and you quoted this the first week of this series. Someone once said to me, like, kids will gravitate towards the oldest person that takes them seriously. And so what got me in was manipulation. What kept me in was like that idea of saying, man, I really do take these kids seriously. Like I, I think that what kids go through, especially teenagers, is some of the deepest, hardest things. That whole idea, oh, that's just puppy love. It is not. It's, it's deep. It's heavy. It's some of the most emotional and selfish times. I say that in like a neurological way, right? That it's affecting them. And what got me is maybe the older I got, the, I realized that kids did gravitate towards you when you took them seriously. In, in the book of Ecclesiastes, this is one of those verses for me. You, are, you who are young, be happy while you're young. Let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth and follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. Who teaches that to kids, right? You're like, no, don't follow your heart, right? That's going to get you in trouble. But they're passionate. They've got vision and stuff. But it, but it goes on to say this, but know for all these things, God will bring you to judgment, which I think is like a correction. So for me, it, it, what kept me in it for all these years was the idea that the older I got and the more that I got to walk with them and to let them be them, the more I got to journey through the tough times or the bad decisions. And in a sense, kind of be part of that correction. And it was just the greatest times of my life, you know. As I hear all of you talking, <clears throat> I, I start to think about how I started to love scripture. And uh, I grew up in Church of God in Christ. And so we used to do something called praise and testimony service where somebody would get up and they'll, they'll either lead a song or they'll testify about how good God has been. 
And one day this old lady, she was like in her 90s, she just she she said, I want all the children to listen to me. And and so after that, you know, all the children were kind of like because they didn't call us out. They, they'd just be giving testimony to God. So we, we were all looking at her. She said, listen, I once was young, but now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed beg for bread. And I was thinking as a kid, I was like, wow, she is old. And if she's never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread, there's something I need to find out about what God wants us to do and how God wants us to represent him to the world and to everyone around us. And so I, that's what really opened up my love for scripture. Um, and also, my dad told me that Jesus was stronger than every superhero combined, and I was hooked. <laughs> I love that. Uh, my favorite mentoring um, kind of story in the Bible is with uh, Eunice and Lois, and they were... Uh, mother and grandmother to Timothy, who was recognized as a very at a very young age for his faith, and they taught him the sacred Jewish scriptures so that he could recognize salvation. Um, and it just, to me, it piqued my interest also because these were women that were mentoring, and women I feel like don't get a whole lot of credit in the Bible sometimes. Um, so it just really, um, I was curious about this, that women as well can be great mentors um, to people. And um, after Joshua and the elders had passed away, uh, Judges 2.10 says, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. And that's kind of also why I stayed in youth group, um, initially going in just to love people. But God has done amazing things in my life. Um, I did go down a dark path after having not a great experience in youth, um, but God brought me through that. And now I'm here, and I've been able to speak life into some of our young kids after all that. So I want to tell that. I want to tell the great things that God has done in my life and that he can do in the lives of others as well. Yeah, and it's so important that we recognize like that we that this is a passing down through the generations like you just talked about. And I think that it's important for us to see them as, I don't know if the word, like worthy of that before they do. Because if we wait until they do, then they're not going to be, we're not going to have a voice in, in, their, in their kind of that shaping of that. And I love in Luke 10, uh, 21, where Jesus says, you know, I praise God because he withheld this truth from the wise. And, and gave it to those who, who were children. And just like this, we have this idea all throughout, um, you know, we see throughout scripture, Jesus just being for the vulnerable and not for the proud. And I think like in our church, you know, our most vulnerable is our younger, is our youth, is our kids. And for us to just continually see them, like that God can withhold from the wise and give them revelation and give them um, purpose. And um, I just think that that's, you know, sometimes it could just be like, well, I am here and I'm going to teach you and you are better for it. And I just think that, you know, if we just continue to look throughout scripture, God is with the vulnerable. God uses the weak, not the strong. And so I just love that picture when it comes to church and that next generation, that it's not, you guys are just over there doing whatever, and we're doing the important stuff, um, but that they're right there with us doing it hand in hand. That's very cool. And I, just bouncing off that a little bit, I was thinking, you know, about this topic, obviously, and thinking, like, where is wisdom and understanding forged? Like, that's what's happening. We, I needed wisdom and understanding, and someone gave it to me that I didn't have. 
and it's really forged in those times of suffering. It's forged in the trenches. It's forged in, in um, um, you know, like, uh, yeah, just being thrown in the pit by family or whatever you're going through. And that wisdom can be lost if we don't pass it on, if we don't write it down, if we don't give it to the next generation. And, and that's really what we want. And the, in the, the, the entire book of Proverbs is about passing on the wisdom that, that Israel learned through a lot of hard trials so that when they went through those trials, they could have those tools that was forged, you know, just, just fit for them. And it always says, so that you will be happy, right? So that you will have joy, so that you will, there's a, there's a purpose for it, so that you will be strong. And that's what we want to see in our youth, right? That's what we needed. And one last thing I'm going to be done with this one was how I'm 50 and I still need mentors. I still need adults speaking into my life today. And if I didn't have it, I'd be done. So thank you to all of you adults speaking into my life every day. And I got to have that since I was a youngster and want to give that back to the young people too. And You know, just piggybacking off of, off of the last two comments, there's nothing that I do today that I didn't have an adult pour into me. And I was talking earlier about another service. Sometimes my cousin, Glenn, we call him man at home, but Glenn uh, plays drums. And he's, he's the one that's energetic and jumps up sometimes and all that kind of stuff. And he's Alex's favorite drummer, mine too. Um, but the thing about it is he poured so much in a younger cousin who he saw a gift in and was just like, man, let me pour into you. Every teacher that has ever meant something to me, I remember going back to high school, showing my teacher, my one teacher, who was like, you can do this. Go get an education. Go do this. I went and showed Mrs. Stevens. I still remember her name and the classroom she was in. I showed her my degrees. I remember doing that. And every pastor who administered to me and told me, like, I could see the calling of God in your life. Like, I still have a beautiful relationship with those men and women of God. And I just thank God for them. And I, uh, it, it reminds me that there, there's a, um, a scripture. I'm sorry. Sandy, I would like to yield the remainder of my time to Sandy. If you, no, uh, um, <laughs> no, Sandy, you want to go? Okay, sorry. No, I just was as you were saying that I was just thinking. Um, my my first real ask, I guess, was when I was eleven, and and um, there was just some women in the church that were having a retreat, and they just asked me to come alongside and and watch the kids for them. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna go watch the kids, and I'll just kind of be, you know, in the back and hang out by myself or whatever and watch the kids. And that was not the experience I had. They showed me that I was just so valued, and they just loved on me that whole weekend, and and brought me into their conversations and their discussions, and and asked my opinion on things. And and it was just such a great experience. And then from from there I was able to go um, you know when I was in high schools um, serving in middle school and then on and on and on forever I don't think I've ever not been in youth since I was in youth and um, it's just such a huge, huge uh, deal for me that people pulled me in and, and showed me that I was valued. And I just go back to the verse like you were talking about in the series um, in First Timothy, um, don't let them look down on you because you are young. And, and it's so true. It's so true. And, and I just love that I'm... I'm, I get to just talk to kids every day and just tell them how much Jesus loves them. And they teach me so much. So before Evan goes, isn't there some kind of like baking and crafting controversy between you two? <laughs> or are we not going there? 
Don't bring that up. At, or I always call you Evan. Alex. No, I'm just not a baker, and Sandy is a baker, and so that's why we work really well together. That's why I didn't fit in, like, women's ministry. Like, there was just a time where you had to bake everything. You, you had to sign up to bake something for everything you came to, and I just ran the other way. But then at Thanksgiving, here she comes. But she loves it, so we make a good pair. They legitimately <laughs> got in a fight on stage, like, this past service. It was great. She you started watch it. It, it was... <laughs> Uh, no, I, I was just going to say the, the verse that always comes to mind when you, when you guys talk about this, uh, someone coming alongside you, someone older that is, is kind of guiding you. The verse that always comes to mind with me is uh, it's out of First Kings, and there's a, a, a very young king, and uh, you have the, the prophet Elisha that is uh, very old. He's on his deathbed, and uh, the young king, the, Israel's under attack, and they're being pillaged and all this, and he comes to Elijah, and he's like, look around. Like, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what to do. And Elisha says, grab your bow and arrow and aim it out the window. And so he grabs it, and Elisha comes, and, and the scripture says that he puts his hands on the young king's hands. And then the young king pulls back the arrow, and he says, now fire. And he shoots the arrow out the window, and Elisha proclaims, this is the arrow of victory of the Lord. And something that's so important in that scripture, it's such a beautiful example of, of the older generation coming alongside the younger generation saying, I'm going to give you my guidance and my strength, my wisdom, my, I'm going to show you exactly how to do this. And then in your strength and in your drive and in your determination and your energy, I, I need you to pull back and accomplish this mission. I'm going to guide you in how to do that. And then you're going to walk through it. And when those two things come together, you see see the victory arrow of the Lord over these different situations. And I think it's, it's just an amazing example of how we come together, how, how generations come together to, to uh, fulfill that victory. Yeah, and I think it's important that we don't squash that hope, that we don't squash that energy, that we don't squash, you know, with like, do this, do this, sit right, you know, I have it the right way or whatever. And I just think, like I was thinking, um, I spoke on influence this week in our elementary school, and I just looked it up, and like from like fifth grade, I think, through 18 is like the most influential age. And I just think we are all influencing youth somewhere, somehow in our lives. And do we want to be like the teacher that Dion said, you know, that just was not you know, you remember her for like how she was not happy to be there. Or do we want to be like Miss Jackson? Is that her name? Miss Stevens, who like totally, you know, told you that you're, you know, it's like, which, which way do we want to go? Who do we want to be? Because we are influencing someone. And I just remember thinking when I was that age and I was going through so much, I'm like, this teacher has forgotten what it is like to be in high school. I will never forget. And I just remember telling myself, I do not ever want to forget that you're right, Steve. The love was real. The pain was real. And like, I, I remember who treated me like it was real and who just pretended like my pain and my hurt just didn't matter. Well, I think in the Bible, over and over again, we see a mentoring process from the older generation into the younger generation. And in uh, Deuteronomy 31, uh, early into the wilderness, Moses was mentoring Joshua. And later, God called on Joshua to, um, to lead the Israelites. But during that time, he was mentoring him for leadership. He was mentoring for bigger things. And I think that that's really what all of us have talked about. We believe in pouring into that next generation because we believe they have big things in store for them and that they can do big things. And without people pouring into them and giving, like you said, a piece of their wisdom um, and imparting that on them, there's that hole, there's a void. And so every one of us um, in the body of Christ is so important for that. 
Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say because we have an opportunity to service. We actually have our youth kids here. Like we're talking about them, what, what we all have done and are doing, like th they're the focus. Like I get to see these kids and I get to see how my juniors, how they've grown since they were fourth grade or even third grade. And I get to see the, the most, one of the most gratifying things it is to be a youth leader is to see how your kiddos raise up and start to do the things that you're doing. And, and it's, it's that most rewarding and powerful thing that, that we are trying to instill them so that instill to them the things that, that they need to live that life to, to show that love of God to others. Yeah. One of my favorite stories we see in the scripture of, of mentoring that really is going back and forth. It's not just the older imparting to the younger, but it's really this reciprocal relationship. And it's right after the angel comes to Mary and, and she says yes to this assignment, this mission from God. And you know, how many times have we sensed that God was calling us to something and had this moment of like, yeah, I don't want to say yes to this. I, who am I? Or I'm too afraid, which are real feelings. Or what happens is we say yes and then we go, oh my gosh, what in the world did I just say yes to? And we can all relate to this because every single one of us has a very specific calling and mission that God has given us, whether it's you know these little guys that I see here in the front row or it's our middle school and high schoolers in the back corner. Well, Mary, it says, didn't waste a minute. She leaves, goes on a journey, and she goes straight to Elizabeth's house. And Elizabeth was a, probably a great aunt. She was quite a bit older. And what we see is Elizabeth speaks life and encouragement over Mary, who was probably feeling all of the feels in that moment. But then it continues. And you know what winds up happening is Elizabeth speaks over Mary, and then Mary speaks back. And so for our youth who are in the room, I would say, you're hearing us talk about how we love investing in your lives and how we love giving to you, but you give us back way more than we could ever invest into your lives. We need you to keep us young because I never really got to be young. I'm, I'm, I'm 36 and I feel for the first time in my life that I know what joy is. This is new for me because of Jesus. And so that's my favorite story. That's good. I think sometimes, too, we don't understand quite the impact we can have on the younger generations. I know for me, um, when I first started as just a leader, um, I simply, you know, hugged all the kids coming in and listened to them and asked them how their day was. And it was years later um, that one of those boys, he had ended up uh, being coming over to our youth group from a foster home. And he wrote me and he said that I was the closest thing, closest th experience he had to a mother. So just simply that hug, that listening to him, that caring um, about him had such an impact on him because he had no other woman in his life. He had no mother figure. So something just as simple as that can, can speak volumes into somebody's life. And so I, as we, we wrap up today, and we're going to have a little bit of fun as we close here, I want you to think about what this means in your own life. We're not asking you to sign up to be a, a 20, 30-year children's or youth worker. Although if you chose to be, we would welcome you <laughs> to, the, to the team. Um, 
but you can do something um, powerful in your own home, just being a, a, a parent that loves your child unconditionally, is patient with your child, and, and I know that's the, the task of so many of us, um, to get a partner together and to make sure your kids are around other mentors. Uh, parents, just frankly, are not enough for their kids. They need those coaches. They need those teachers. They need those youth workers to partner alongside of you, to train them in the way they should go, to reveal the love and grace of God. It could be something small, and I don't mean to be cheesy in the pitch here, but something as small as, as bringing your car and decorating your trunk and passing out uh, kids to candy with a big smile on your face at, uh, at your church campus, uh, volunteering for a child's you know, special event, children's ministry special event, something that just says, I am going to be a light to the next generation. I'm going to be a light in my home, a light to my kids and grandkids, a light in my church, a light in my neighborhood to the next generation because they need the wisdom that comes from you, and we need their strength and their energy and their vision. Uh, just quickly, I want to show just uh, two pictures. One is um, uh, our founding pastor, and this is in the old chapel uh, in the original campus. And there's two uh, little kids in this picture. One of them is me in that sweet plaid polo shirt, which I wish I still had today. And the other, right next to me, he was pretty squirrely and probably teasing me as my brother. And, uh, and we were sitting under Pastor Steve's care. Our family was a wreck, and yet Rancho was the solid rock under our feet, and Steve was, was the love of Jesus to us, and, and youth workers were the love of Jesus to us. And then 15 years later, I can pass that on to some other kids at youth group and was their youth pastor for, uh, for 15 years, and we get to pass on generation after generation, and now my kids are entrusted to this team. And I'm so grateful that my kids, all through uh, their time here, and they were born here, and they graduated here, they're in your nursery, and they're under, in your youth ministries, and they go to your school, and they're in your classrooms. And I have had an army of partners, women and men, pouring into my kid's life. And get this, here's the miracle. My kids were here on this campus six or seven days a week their entire life from birth to graduating high school and going off to college. Their dad was the lead pastor. Their dad was the president of the school. They are destined by statistics to hate God and to run away from the church. They loved every single minute of it. And that's because of you, and that's because of this church that knew how to pour into the next generation. Uh, I want to close in, in one of my favorite verses out of Joel 2, which is later quoted in Acts 2. Jerusalem is under threat. They're about to be destroyed. But there's hope here. Where is their hope? In gathering the generations. Gather all the people, the elderly, the children, and even the babies. Don't be afraid, my people. Be happy now and full of joy, for the Lord has done great things. They were about to lose their city. But why were they happy and full of joy? Because they had each other. Because the older was gathering with the younger, even the babies. There's as much value in the babies as there is with these very important elders. And then there's this vision of the future. I will at one point pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will speak the truth boldly. Older generations will dream dreams. Your younger generation will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit to everyone equally, to rich and to poor, to men and women alike. They weren't experiencing at that time equal treatment. It was the, the men and the elders and the powerful and the elite who got all the treatment, they got all the benefit. And God says, there will come a day where my spirit will go to everyone, everyone, young and old, uh, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile, male and female, everyone equally. When is this time? It is right now. Jesus rose from the dead, gave his spirit to everyone, and we get to practice that. The more intergenerational we are, the more we love each other, the more we welcome the children, the babies, and our youth, and say, hey, listen, we've got some things to maybe teach you and guide you with some years of wisdom, but we need you to lead us in your energy and your vision to make this world a better place the way Jesus envisioned himself. 